Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon. Wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's podcast from. Let's get straight in to today's podcast because my, my guest is on a tight time frame. Um, according to the Global Recovery Insights 2021 report, 62% of exhibitor respondents expressed plans to attend shows with the same or increased frequency as pre-pandemic. Since the beginning of this year, 2022, global events have, for the most part, returned to in-person programming with higher attendance than ever before and more and more brands ready to make the move to go global. My guest today is a dynamic award-winning business leader with over 15 years experience across marketing, sales and government. He is currently the Vice President of Client Service at Impact XM, a global full-service event and experiential marketing agency. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, Mr. James C. Morris. James, thank you very much for joining the Event Industry News Podcast. Thank you, James. Appreciate you having me. Not a problem at all. And uh, a, a lovely on-brand sort of, uh, I, I must ask, is, 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 that, is that a real office or is this a background that we've got? No, it's it's virtual. As much as we've uh, been it so looks sad great. with the virtual response, we a uh, nice little virtual background. Well, Thanks, no, no, I appreciate it. It, it, it. it looks good. I wouldn't have known. That's why, that's why I asked. Um, whereabouts are you joining us from today, James? So I'm currently at my house in Pennsylvania, not too far from our global headquarters in Princeton, New Jersey. Wow, great part of the uh, a, a superb part of the world. Um, and uh, early in the morning for you, mid afternoon here for me. And um, let's dive straight in because you know we were looking at some of those that that that, that key statistic that I mentioned in the opening of today's episode of sixty two percent of exhibitor respondents uh, plan to attend shows with the same or increased frequency. Have, have things really bounced back post pandemic to those sort of levels? You know. It, it, if politicians are to be believed, which mostly they're not, they will take one set of statistics and, um, you know, one politician will take a statistic and interpret it one way, another a completely different way. How accurate do we think those stats are? So, you know, data can be viewed in different ways, uh, of course, but I can tell you from the experience that we've had beginning with CES in Las Vegas in early January uh, through today, um, there is no question that the exhibit industry, events industry, the channel is very strong. It's come back full force, um, which has created its own set of problems from staffing to being able to deliver on time. Um, I think everyone was sitting on the sidelines for a little while waiting to see what would happen. And when CES went off you know, fairly well, uh, I think everybody kind of came back in full force. And we're seeing that. We're seeing um, many of the Congresses and expositions be um, you know, much stronger than they were in the past, both from an exhibiting standpoint and from an attendee standpoint. Uh, there were undoubtedly contributing factors f for those, uh, f for that being the case, um, mm -hmm. that, that, that we could talk, talk about for hours and hours and hours. In a, on a fundamental level, is it as simple as saying that, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone? And, mm. and in that period of time, people suddenly realize just how much they missed those opportunities, how much they they lost uh, uh, by being able to go to those events in order to further their own businesses and understandings of their, their industries, whatever the particular event is servicing. Um, is that very much the driving factor behind this increased uh, vigor in getting out there and into these exhibitions and, and conferences? 
I think it's a great point, James. I, you know, when you look at um, the results from the virtual work that many of us did over the course of the pandemic, I think we all felt pretty sad with the results. There is just a human tribal behavior that that we as humans want to be around each other, want to network, want to bounce ideas. And I think you don't get that uh, on screen. You don't get that the same way. You, you're not getting the experience the same way. And so as we look for um, networking opportunities, understanding what's happening to you, all the things that our channel provides. The reality is, is that face-to-face -face marketing, starting with the very first World's Fair uh, till today, you know, humans have become accustomed to doing that. And I do think you're right. I think that, that we didn't know what we had until it's gone. Many of us took it for granted and realized the thirst for face-to-face -face marketing was a much more um, a reality than we had even recognized in the before times. Mm. One of the key words in the intro that I read out today um, to describe Impact XM as a business is experiential, experiential marketing agency. Um, my own take is that it's very, very difficult to deliver something that you could consider to be experiential via a digital medium, unless I suppose what you are delivering is in itself a digital medium, if that makes sense. We look at things like the computer, the gaming industry, you know, uh, computer games. Um, you know, it's, it's very much an online digital world. But even so, they still have in-person events that they see great value in. Um, and that's something that we've talked about on the podcast before. You know, as an agency that works very much under under the banner of experiential, would you agree with the fact that it, it really was difficult to sort of maintain that particular description of an event via a digital medium? Absolutely. There's no question about it. I love that you brought up gaming. You know, we're seeing big arenas being filled with people watching gamers do their thing, right? They want to be there in person with them. And I think that translates to all industries. And um, as we really look at um, an experience, if you look at REI, for example, they've come out and said that their experiences will um, drive more revenue next year than their goods that they've sold. And they were really a goods company, outdoor company, but experiences have taken that over. I think, you know, as we start to look at what people's behaviors have been post-pandemic, not just in our channel, right, but just how they're behaving, everything is more experience-driven. I think uh, we were already seeing that happen before the pandemic, but post-pandemic, it's exploded. So if we're not having those experiences, if brands aren't having those experiences, I think they're missing out. And if you look no further than what REI is saying and a lot of other companies that have shifted their model, we are really an experienced economy now globally. And it's important uh, that we pay attention to that and brands pay attention to that. Yeah. And, and as an experienced economy, you know, we're, we're an experienced society, I think, even more so post-pandemic, you know, uh, uh, and, and it's it almost feels cliched to reference it, but people missed human interaction. You know, this is, mm -hmm. I'm not saying anything that nobody has said on a hundred other podcasts and on a hundred other TV shows and thousands of, you know, tweets and, and, and social media posts since the pandemic. But I, I think that as a society, we are more um, tuned in to, experiences and being with people even if it's for a short period of time and and, and i and i just think to last night my, my wife and i went out for dinner with friends and we go to a little place that does a pop-up restaurant once a month um and we've started to go regularly it's become our little thing on on, on a, a thursday evening once a month it's something that we never did before we saw a lot of them but there was it's almost that structure of you know, we value that time. It's a couple of hours 
and and I think the same translates up to businesses to events that they, they, they suddenly realize that actually even if it's for a short period of time even if it's something that that might only be one to one it doesn't have to be in a big group of people there is real value in in that in that face to face um in that in that face to face environment i think and again i think that our, our our social interactions are a big driving factor i believe in in why we're seeing this increase in in face to face uh, events for businesses as well uh, it, you know it, it, a great point um on the most simplistic level i drive into new jersey into the office uh, regularly hybrid now which i think we're all enjoying um, but I cross through a national park here in the States in New Jersey, as soon as they cross over the border from Pennsylvania. And it's a, a very large hiking area in, in the past, you would see cars fill the parking lot and people there, um, enjoying nature, enjoying the hikes since the pandemic, it is, you can't get a spot in the parking lot. I think people are coming together for that experience of walking around, enjoying nature, localized kind of experience with friends and family, just as you've mentioned your, um, you know, Thursday night, you know, yeah. excursion. And I think we're seeing a lot of that. And you're exactly right. That bubbles up um, to all areas of our life and certainly to our channel, which was already bringing people together in the before times. And I think even more so now, and I think businesses have recognized, you know, that there is a true value in this. And we've always had a difficult time looking at, I think, ROI in the channel itself. However, um, when it was gone, I think we also recognized that uh, as difficult as the ROI may be at times, uh, we recognized that there was nothing uh, and virtual was certainly no uh, significant replacement for that face-to-face. Hmm. Something else I mentioned in the introduction today was this um, Global Recovery Insights report uh, and the line at the very end of that introduction that said that more more, more, more brands uh, are readying themselves to make the move to go global. Um, and I, I guess I'm always curious to know what that, that means because any brand with a Facebook page is, is, is global, you know, in some respects, but, mm -hmm. you know, are you seeing with your own clients, a genuine desire for brands that you're working with in the USA, for example, to then genuinely want to expand out and have a physical presence, either at events or with their own, you know, direct marketing experiential activities in other territories. We have absolutely seen an explosion in global exhibiting, whether it's um, U.S. companies going abroad or um, companies across the pond coming to the U.S. There have been a significant increase. Um, part of that, I think, is is with the ability to travel um, having been shut down in a global economy. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I think there was recognition of of the inability to connect with our counterparts in other countries. And so brands recognizing this um, have adopted a strategy um, to take a look at holistic global approach to how the brand is received in different countries. And, and frankly, that that's no small task because how you address an audience um, in Europe is certainly different than in Asia, is certainly different in the States. So uh, as companies kind of take a look at expanding their footprint in the side of the channel, which again, we're seeing a significant increase in. Um, we're also seeing the need to kind of understand a little better how to do that. There are some large, you know, Fortune 5 companies that are doing this really well and have been doing this really well for a while. But a lot of the challenger brands that are now focused on how to exhibit internationally, um, I think are starting to learn um, the nuances of how to do things differently and the requirement, frankly, of how to do those things differently is really important to speak to those different audiences. 
Yeah, and, and something that sprung to mind there, and, and there is a link here. It might sound like a digression at first, but um, something that I've scribbled down here is is that travel heightens the anticipation. And I think something that we missed out, you know, as, as good as some of the virtual event platforms and digital platforms are that we were uh, afforded the, the luxury, I suppose, of, of, of using and learning about very, very quickly during the pandemic, the one thing that you don't get with those is that sense of anticipation that you get when you're traveling somewhere. Be it, it could be a train journey into a city. It could be a car journey to the other end of a, a state or a country. It could be a plane journey over to a, an international event. But that traveling to an event and traveling to a face-to-face -face meeting or traveling to a face something, I think, heightens the senses and increases a level of anticipation, which brings a level of productivity to that environment when you get there that I think is very, very difficult to replicate on a digital platform. I, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, both exhibitors who, you know, prepare for this event um, and then are traveling overseas, wherever that may be, um, or attendees. And let's face it, the reason why um, a lot of Congresses and conferences are in, you know, large, great, fun cities is because of the anticipation you're talking about, right? Yeah. So we're not looking at a lot of cornfields to have these. We're looking at major metropolitan areas, desirable destinations, right? So I think there is not only an excitement about, um, you know, the Congress itself, but also in parallel, an excitement about traveling again. And I think there was always an excitement yeah. about traveling yeah. and going, but the fact that we're doing it again, I think is uh, complementary to that excitement. Mm. I, I guess as well that with that re return that there will be inevitably a, a level of productivity that has improved because brands people who go to these events uh and maybe is not as complacent if i dare say it as they were mm. pre-pandemic um it, it, i'm curious to know whether or not you know with with companies you will obviously be pushing your clients to, to uh, um, and pushing the events that you're organizing and the brands that you're working with to do their absolute best. But I, I sensed a level of complacency within certain events and industries because it was almost just taken for granted that these would happen every year that they would take place. And I think that that level of complacency has has not been eradicated, but I'm seeing events that I'm working on, for example, trade shows, I'm seeing exhibitors be more proactive than they were before. I'm seeing attendees actually take advantage of some of the networking platforms and opportunities that are given to them. The engagement levels on those platforms have gone up and and, and networking apps and event apps and things like that. Um, it, uh, yeah, I'm curious to get your take on, on, on what you think about whether was there any complacency pre-pandemic that, um, you know, really sort of came home to roost a little bit uh, when events were cancelled? Yeah, I, I think there there was a lot of complacency, and I think we just did things because we have always done them, and it just made sense to continue to do it that way. I, I think the the pandemic really fast forward our channel um, by ten years, right? It, we were always going to get we we're very analog. We were going to get more digital in our channel, um, and maybe that was going to happen in the next decade or so. Um, but the pandemic really accelerated that. It also gave us pause to say what works and what doesn't work. So we're, how do we allocate spend the right way into these different arenas? And when we really boil it down to um, almost a scorecard of what, what events are working for brands and what aren't, um, 
putting those weighted KPIs and getting a, you know, kind of a net promoter score on, on where we should be exhibiting, what events we should be exhibiting because of that return, um, I think is looked at a little differently today than it was before because we were complacent, because we always went to things. Now there's a little bit more sophistication in how we're choosing events and how brands are looking at events. So as we advise our clients on where and how to go, a lot of it is predicated on, you know, kind of better data, better understanding, and the challenge of, um, do we really need to go back to these these same events, um, or should we kind of reallocate the spend to really focus on these five or six global events that make the most sense to us, where we're really hitting some of those KPIs that we established for the reason that we're, we have the spend in the channel in the first place. Mm. Are, you, are you finding the clients are more... Um open to creative suggestion because when i've spoken to a, a, a other agencies certainly in the past sort of you know 12 to 18 months things lifted really sort of july last year in the uk so mm -hmm. you know think things things weren't back to normal in the autumn but certainly we were seeing a return you know to, to events as we knew them previously and some agencies that i've spoken to have said that you know clients are very much more open to some of the creative suggestions that maybe pre-pandemic they were a bit hesitant to embrace you know that they're a bit more of a suggestion what, what are your own sort of experiences as, a, as an agency yeah I, I think that's spot on it, and even to take it a step back from that I think they're much more open to thinking about the strategy of everything before we even get into creative so mm -hmm. taking a look at um you know what we're doing how we're doing it why we're doing it and then creating that kind of thin red line to be able to bring creative into that um, in many different ways. So, you know, our creative solutions should be different when we're in Europe than they should be when we're in um, Pan-Asia than when we're in, you know, North America. All, mm -hmm. all of those audiences relate differently. And so creative is a big part of that. How do we speak um, creatively to that audience differently than we would um, in another region of, of the globe. So uh, I think it's not only about the creative acceleration and, and you know, the willingness by brands to be able to look at things a little bit differently, but it's also, you know, what's the full strategy? What's the global strategy in exposition and, and um, how we're going to activate that to make sure that we're um, speaking to those individual audiences. So I think Obviously, creative is a big part of it, but it has to be tied into the strategy. And strategy feels a lot different than it did just two years ago. Mm. How, how has it impacted your own? How's the return impacted your own operations? You know, from a, um, a staffing point of view. What, what one thing you mentioned at, at, at the start of, of of the podcast today was that you know that the industry faced you know as a whole an issue with staffing because people mm -hmm. there were redundancies during the, the 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 events industry and certainly in the in the UK one of the biggest criticisms levied towards towards government was that the the lead time that the industry was given the communication was poor as to when they would open they were literally given like two weeks right as of that day you can start doing your events again and there, there was just no way that they were going to be prepared and ready to just go from zero back to 100 miles an hour in the space of you know a, a few weeks and I, i'm just curious how did that if you excuse the pun impact your own your own business you know were you in a similar situation and have you found that you've had to actually bring more people on post pandemic because of because of some of the the stats that you're seeing the so the beginning of the pandemic as anybody else in our channel um you know we had staff reductions and um some people took early retirement some people moved on to a whole nother industry uh recognizing this as a, a vital industry so we 
um, coming back, we recognized pretty early on in uh, 2021 that early 2022 was going to be, um, you know, a lot different than we had experienced in the in pr previous 18 months. Yeah. So in doing so, we started to hire back rather quickly. That said, um, you know, as well as I do, hiring somebody today isn't a solution for tomorrow. It's a solution for next quarter or even beyond. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we had all of these new hires that didn't have the same intellectual property and kind of rear view mirror understanding of brands that we did in the before times. So yeah. getting people up to speed quickly was a real challenge for us. And on top of that, with remote employees and hybrid employees not being surrounded by other people who have that intellectual property and that brand understanding um, was a challenge. So how do we communicate with them differently? How do we onboard them differently? All became something that we hadn't experienced before. And we had to learn really, really fast. Um, so I think there was this challenging ramp up period for at least in the states in q1 of 2022 where it felt a lot like we were handing new hires a brick and giving a push into the deep end and having them support <laughs> um yeah since that yeah. point i think we've come out you know much better uh the nice part is about being able to hire anywhere in the globe which was a different you know kind of look at hiring through hybrid, through remote, we've been able to hire really strong people. And we've looked at other industries that have similar um, characteristics and, and requirements that may not have been in the event channel because the, the folks that remained in the event channel pool uh, were, were gobbled up pretty quickly in Q1 uh, of 2022. So thinking outside the box and looking at, you know, other verticals that really had that same sort of, um, you know, deadline driven behaviors that we do in our channel um, helped us to kind of identify people who had never thought about working uh, in the event space before. Um, and we found some some success there. So we are not fully staffed up yet um, in all areas, uh, but we are certainly uh, feeling a lot better than we did early on. And I think, you know, brands understood that it's the same way. We would get on a plane very early on, you know, we would get to an airport um, an hour early. The pilot says, we're here. This is great. And then we sit for two hours waiting for a crew to be able to get us to our gate. And while frustrating, I think we all understood they were coming back online, too. And I think our brands really, you know, were supportive in the, the thinking that, you know, it, we needed to kind of hire people, train them, onboard them and get them moving. And, and so, you know, the first part of the year was challenging from a staffing standpoint. But, you know, I think for the most part, we're seeing the industry um, come back at a, at a nice level now with staffing. But it, that's only happened recently. I'm I'm conscious of time because I said at the very beginning today we were we've been very fortunate enough to to to, to get a small window of opportunity to speak to James today um, uh, before he has to go to to, to, to another meeting. Um, frequency is something I just want to touch on very very briefly, if I may, James. Um, it's it's not just a, a, an increase in in footfall that we're seeing in through the doors of a particular event, but frequency and how often brands are undertaking events and, and and having a presence somewhere either under their own banner or underneath another exhibition or events banner um is that something that that correlates to to what you're working on with your clients are they coming to you more frequently with more opportunities saying we want to do more each year yeah it, it's really funny you say that i was just having a conversation uh, with one of my clients about this we were talking about um the fact that historically when there's economic you know, storm clouds on the horizon, like we're experiencing right now, brands, brands tend to pull back marketing dollars rather quickly, right? Those are some of yeah. the first yeah. dollars to, to, you know, drop off. We're not seeing that. We're, we're seeing actually a thirst to continue to 
exhibit to continue to participate in um, the channel and face-to-face -face marketing. Um, and we're seeing an increase of what else can we do? Where else can we activate? So maybe it's not the four halls of a convention center, but maybe it's outside. Maybe it's um, in different ways that we're, we haven't thought of before. Maybe we're bringing uh, the exposition to them um, instead of the other way around. So not only I think are we seeing increase in, in number of events that brands want to participate in, which is again, opposite of what we've seen historically with economic storm clouds on the horizon. But we're also seeing a challenge in how else can we activate our brand, um, you know, experientially outside of the Congress channel itself. So not only frequency, but I think um, also diversification of how we're spending and looking at experiential marketing. Fabulous. Um, we've been talking today on the podcast to the Vice President of Client Service at Impact XM, Mr. James C. Morris, who joins us from his base in uh, Pennsylvania um, today to uh, squeeze in this this uh, episode of the Event Industry News podcast. Um, James, again, one eye on the clock. I'm really grateful that, that we've had the chance to speak to you today. And um, as, 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 as tight as it was, please do stay in touch and come back on because I, I, I feel that this is, is sort of scratching the surface and maybe part one of a, a of a two-part or even a three-part conversation that we could have about this subject. So it'd be great to see you again and, and, and do come back out, back on the podcast in future. And um, let's pick up this conversation again, if we may. Thanks, James. I really appreciate you having me. Love what you guys are doing and, and would love to come back um, sometime soon. So thanks again. No problem at all. And uh, a very quick wrap up from me. If you're watching today uh, on the eventindustrynews.com website, thanks very much. Don't forget that you can go over to wherever you get your audio podcasts from. Just search for the Event Industry News podcast and you can listen to audio only versions of all of our podcasts. If you are already doing that and listening today, go in the opposite direction to eventindustrynews.com where you can watch video versions of all of our podcasts, as well as check out the latest news feature supplements and the A to Z supplier directory. It brings us nicely and neatly to the end of today's episode of the Event Industry, Nod, uh, Industry News podcast. Uh, our thanks again to Mr. James C. Morris from Impact XM. And if you want to find out more about those guys, just please do head over to impact-xm.com and uh, you can find out directly what they're up to. Um, and thanks very much, everybody. James, Look forward to seeing you again uh, on another episode. Um, good luck with the rest of your day over in Pennsylvania and the rest of your meetings. And we wrap up today's episode by saying goodbye to everybody. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.